These people are looking at the dollars and cents. They're seeing that even though print ad revenue is declining, it still makes up the majority of their total revenue for their business. Digital is pennies on the dollar. Uh, but what observers are saying uh, in looking at the industry is that you have to be innovating while you still have a lifeline of print advertising revenue still left. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell. And if you listen to the podcast for a while, you might be aware that before I became a digital editor, I was a managing editor at a chain of community newspapers in Northern Virginia. And in my time there, about 10 years, I developed a real appreciation for the power of local news. The podcast that we're going to be posting today is a presentation by Jesse Holcomb, the Associate Director of Research at the Pew Research Center. Uh, he made this presentation at the Association of Alternative News Media's conference in Salt Lake City, uh, talking about the changing media ecosystem, in particular focusing on uh, local news. It's a pretty fascinating presentation uh, for those of you who are interested in what's going on in local news and how digital is sort of changing the business model and how some models that work in small markets don't work in large markets and vice versa. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. We still have some more uh, conference audio to post over the next few weeks, but I'm going to try to uh, mix it up with some uh, interviews that we do in studio. Uh, we've got one in the bank right now uh, with Melody Kramer uh, that I think everybody's going to like. Now enjoy Jesse Holcomb. We'll start out with his presentation, and then I had a quick 10-minute interview with him afterwards. Enjoy. do with the Pew Research Center doesn't always allow me to travel out into the field, but uh, I spend a lot of time behind a computer and behind uh, with the soft glow of data sets on my face. Um, but I was in Sioux City a few months ago doing field work uh, for some local news research that we were pulling together at the time. And I stopped at a little steakhouse on the Nebraska side of the river down past the Tyson plant because I was told get a steak in, uh, in Nebraska or, or Iowa. Uh, and I got to talking with a bartender about what I was up to and so she tried to humor me. I tried not to come across as a creepy anthropologist. Uh, but there was one thing that she said that really got my attention. And she said this, uh, why should I bother with the local TV station when I've got lockup buzzing in my back pocket all day long? Uh, so it took me a minute to figure out what she even meant by lockup. Uh, and FYI, it is or was actually a Facebook page that posted information about locals who had gotten locked up in the Sioux City area. So, uh, and I believe the page has been taken down in case you're looking for it. Um, but in its heyday, the thing was this seething stream of mugshots and gossip, updates, police blotters. And it was also a primary source of news for my bartender and a way for her to connect to her community via mobile and social media. To me, this anecdote says something interesting about uh, local news as we've come to know it, imagine it, and measure it. It's not just that the pathways to local news are changing, 
uh, or that the form is changing, but it's also that these changes are not necessarily happening all at once in the same town. Um, there are layers and there are surprises. And if you spend too much time with national survey data, like I do, uh, you'd be forgiven for thinking that local news trends in Jackson are the same as they are in Minneapolis, or that what's happening in New York is also happening in New Orleans. And in certain ways, these trends, they do hold. Uh, but in other ways, the idea of any town, USA, is just a little bit too simple. The future of news that we're often fond of discussing uh, may, for certain kinds of American communities, already be in the past tense. So first, though, I want to discuss some broad trends about local news, audiences, platforms, economics, that actually do paint a pretty clear picture. Uh, but there's always a fly in the ointment, and aggregate numbers can sometimes mask the differences beneath. Uh, so I also want to poke some holes in these trends, uh, and I, I hope you will do the same. Uh, I want to complicate them a little bit. That, that comes in a few minutes, but before that, a few big picture data points that will give us the lay of the land. Uh, so first, there's no doubt that the audience revolution that emerged with the consumer internet has transformed the local ecosystem. One thing that hasn't changed is that people care about local news. Uh, you've probably covered NIMBY issues in your markets. I kind of think of this as the WIMBY phenomenon, what's in my backyard. When it comes to news, American audiences tend to care about what happens close to them. Uh, and in their communities, about the issues that affect their lives in an immediate kind of way. Past survey data, much that we've collected over the years at Pew, uh, has found that our attention to international news will spike uh, during a major news event, but then it recedes. But that our attention to local news, we tend to monitor it, uh, monitor it on a regular and routine basis, day in and day out. Uh, our recent profiles of three distinct American communities found a number of differences, but whether it's a small town like Macon, Georgia, uh, or a big metro like Denver, Colorado, people follow local news more closely than national news, national news more closely than international, uh, and, and in fact, neighborhood news more closely than, than any of the above. What's changed is that the local news phenomenon has become a shared, interactive, and ambient experience. The social web has transformed how we share local news with each other and sometimes the world. Nearly two-thirds of Facebook and Twitter users now get news there. That's based on some research we just put out this week. Uh, our networks influence what we learn about our own communities. For instance, aside from entertainment news, uh, community news is the top category that Facebook users routine, routinely see in their feed. So 69% of Facebook news consumers see some kind of community news there. Uh, it's one of the top categories. Local news is now a more interactive experience, too. We've got better tools to participate in local news than we did before. Commenting, posting, photographing, recording, curating. Half of all social network users have shared news on social media. More than one in 10 have posted photos or videos uh, of a news event that they witnessed. Think about some of the big news events of our time. A quartet of police-involved conflicts with black men, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott. Think about the Boston Marathon bombing, Hurricane Sandy. These are breaking news events that happened, that happened in, in local places. Um, 
and they were captured on video by accidental journalists, people who were not professional journalists but happened to be there. Uh, third, local news is more ambient, if I can borrow a phrase from journalist and scholar Alf Hermida. News, including local, it's in the air that we breathe. More devices means more time spent on more platforms. Uh, it means more exposure to news. Nearly two-thirds of Americans own a smartphone. Uh, of those, about two-thirds follow breaking news events. Our research has also found evidence of wide usage of mobile devices for local news, not just general news uh, altogether. Now, it's important to note that mobile is an additive experience. It's not just a replacement for older forms, which brings me to some of these legacy platforms. Legacy platforms haven't been abandoned, but the base is eroding, especially for print. Uh, print circulation is down since its peak in 1984. About a third of daily newspaper circ has disappeared. As you're well aware, alt weeklies have seen print circulation declines as well. Uh, I don't need to remind you that the combined average weekly circ for top 20 news weeklies decreased about 6% in 2014, and that follows some earlier declines. Local TV is more resilient, uh, but it may be in for a disruption of its own. Uh, there's a generational shift going on in the news consumption habits there. Our recent research on media and politics found that for millennials, Facebook is, you might call it the new local TV, at least when it comes to news about politics and government. Uh, boomers still rely on the local broadcast. Radio listenership has weathered some storm uh, a little bit better than its print counterparts, but there too we've seen some declines. Uh, and interestingly, there's little evidence that local digital startups are really gaining a deep foothold with audiences. Uh, Michelle McClellan, some of you might know her, uh, recently surveyed local online news startups. Uh, she found that about two-thirds of these sites attract fewer than 50,000 unique visitors a month. Uh, in our recent community surveys, it was a rare exception when someone cited a digital native local news site as a source for local news. And we gave everyone uh, every opportunity that, that, they, that, they, that we could uh, for them to identify. So for instance, if we were surveying in Denver, we identified you know, by name 20 different local digital news publishers and we asked them for topics about health information in Denver or government information in Denver. Do you turn to any one of these sites? Uh, hint, hint, here they are on the sheet. Uh, it didn't matter. Very low incidence rate of usage of these local sites for local news. Um, now, that may be a consumption issue. may also still be a brand recognition issue. Um, instead, it was far more likely that a respondent would say that they accessed the local paper, TV, or other print outlet through digital pathways. Uh, so between a third and half of residents we surveyed said that the Internet was very important with keeping up with local news. So the impact of these audience shifts on the industry is structural in nature. Once upon a time, there was some uncertainty about whether the audience and economic shifts were cyclical. Now we have a better sense of just how lasting and profound that these changes are. Total news revenue across all sectors, so broadcast, print, and all the rest, has declined by a third between 2006 and today from about $95 billion to about $65 billion uh, when we did these measurements last year. Most of this loss can be attributed to the decline in print advertising, 
newspaper industry loses about a billion in print advertising revenue every year. Local TV is, uh, TV is stable in part thanks to political advertising along with the benefit of relatively stable audience, but that won't last forever either. And for most local and digital, uh, local digital and nonprofit publishers, it's a mixed picture. Many are small and on a shoestring budget. We're seeing new ones launch while some others fold, which is a natural thing that happens in the startup world too. It's worth bearing that in mind. But long-term revenue sustainability is still not necessarily a given. The revenue crisis in American journalism has led to the erosion of investment in local news. Our research found that the number of state house reporters has declined by a third in the past decade. Newsroom employment at newspapers was down to about a little under 37,000 in 2013. Uh, it's fallen by one third since pre-recession era levels when it was at 55,000 in 2006. All weeklies have been feeling the pinch too, of course, we know that. In addition to all of this, audiences have been noticing the effects. Our survey found that nearly a third of U.S. adults say that they have abandoned a news outlet because it no longer provides the news and information they'd grown accustomed to. Despite all of these clear trends, the disruption in local news has been in some ways uneven. And this is what I was sort of getting at uh, before at the beginning. Uh, and some new ideas that I've been kind of playing with. My job here is to tell stories with numbers, stories about the evolving condition of American journalism, the health of community information systems, the pathways that news travels between newsrooms, people, and their phones. Uh, I'm supposed to connect the dots, but the one danger about speaking from that 30,000-foot level is that we can slip into thinking that local news is monolithic, that it means one single thing. And the reality is just a little bit more complicated than that. So I've talked through some broad patterns. Now I'm going to tweak them just a little bit by suggesting some ways in which communities differ from each other, uh, even within those communities themselves when it comes to local news. First, I want to talk about technology. Next, I want to talk about the availability of local news and communities. Third, I want to talk about some opportunities in the realm of local business models. While we're all riding this mobile wave, there are gaps here still. Not all communities are adopting new consumer technologies at the same pace. We know how widely smartphones are being used, but adoption is uneven even within the broader U.S. adult population. The young, the educated, the wealthy, the urban are all significantly more likely to own a smartphone than the old, the less educated, the poor, and the rural among us. We saw the effect of this on local news in our recent field work. So Denver, again, a, a more well-educated, comparatively affluent metropolis, is more connected to mobile devices than a smaller, more traditional community like Sioux City. So, for instance, 76% of Denver residents have a smartphone versus 60% in Sioux City, 70% of Denver residents have broadband inter internet versus only 48% in Macon, Georgia. And there are some implications there for local news. Uh, we also found that about 7 in 10 Denver residents get local news on a digital device of any kind uh, versus about 6 in 10 in, in Macon and Sioux City. Next, I want to talk about some of the gaps in news content. Um, and it's a little bit... 
you'll, I'll, you'll see what I mean, what I, why I have this up here in a minute. But uh, on the surface, we know what the local news landscape in the U.S. looks like. So 800-plus local TV uh, stations with newscasts, about 1,300-plus daily papers, uh, maybe 100, 150 local and regional digital nonprofits. But we've also seen the term news deserts enter the lexicon. Uh, the digital revolution has given us access to information at our fingertips, rich social networks, and now a sharing economy. But in many ways, the crisis in local journalism has only deepened, and the web has not delivered obvious solutions yet at that local level. The result is an uneven landscape with communities that are information-rich and information-poor. We're just now beginning to see some more concrete evidence of this. So I want to consider the case of New Jersey. Uh, some Rutgers researchers recently studied the local news environment in three communities, one wealthy, another middle class, another that was more poor. Uh, and what they found was really striking. And more of this research is going to be rolled out and published, uh, but it was teased a little bit in a Neiman Lab post uh, maybe a couple months ago. The wealthier community, which was Morristown, New Jersey, had more than 10 times as many local journalism sources as the poorer city, Newark, did. In the space of one week, Morristown news outlets produced more journalism, more original reporting, more coverage of critical information needs like health, government, um, and education than Newark did. New Brunswick, the middle class town, fell somewhere in between. And all of these data were normalized per capita, so it's sort of per, per capita there. Our own case studies found some similar disparities. Denver's news offerings reflect the area's digital orientation. 40 neighborhood and municipal websites offering regular news items. Some of them would be county websites with open data that was really sophisticated. Uh, at least 25 digital-only news outlets and blogs produ producing regular content on a weekly basis. Uh, in stark comparison, we while well, my research team couldn't find a single what you'd call digital native outlet in Macon or Sioux City producing routine, consistent uh, local original material. Uh, we've documented the emergence of the digital nonprofit news startups around the country, which is what you see up here. Uh, but as you'll see from the map, they tend to cluster in certain regions. And not all of these kinds of communities that might want an, invest an investigative news room of their own uh, can count on drawing support from a civically engaged population with disposable income to really support uh, what they've got going on there. So finally, I want to talk about some, some other trends that are not quite trends yet um, in terms of the economics of local news. We know that local media suffer from what I call this one-third problem. The news industry has lost a third of its revenue since pre-recession days. Newsrooms have lost a third of their editorial staff since that time. And it's taken a bit longer, but newspapers have lost about a third of their daily circ the past 30 years. But here, too, we're beginning to see some pockets of growth and opportunity uh, for local news business models. These are uneven, uh, and they're not yet at scale. Uh, and the journalism community is still figuring out how to share widely what will work in this new environment and what will not. My friend Josh Stearns, probably a lot of you know him, uh, from the Dodge Foundation in New Jersey, recently published a list of 52 revenue ideas to support local journalism. 
You should check it out if you haven't already. Uh, these go well beyond advertising to include events, merchandise, membership, services, side businesses, premium content, paywalls, and philanthropy. Uh, Josh highlights what's been tried with advertising too, though, from directories to content recommendations to native ads. Each of these 52 ideas may not be working everywhere, uh, but they're being tried somewhere and seeing some success. Public media mover and shaker, Melody Kramer, a lot of you probably know her too, just put out a great report that blows up the idea of membership, recommends a bunch of ways to put the public back into public media in ways that go well beyond the pledge drive, including ideas like remote membership, partnerships, time and talent, volunteering. Success stories with new and local regional business models are happening, but it's still early. Texas Tribune has seen success with its nonprofit revenue diverse model, membership, sponsorship, philanthropy. They bring in nearly five million in revenue a year. Billy Penn, uh, which has more of a for-profit model in Philly, less than a, years old, a year old, but it's seen its traffic double since May. Uh, I could go on with these examples and illustrations. They're happening all over the place. But the big question, I guess, right now is can the Texas Tribune model work in Georgia? Can Billy Penn succeed in Albuquerque, New Mexico? We don't yet fully know. And the industry, if that's still what we call it, uh, is still in a phase of really intense experimentation, and I expect that will be the case for the foreseeable future. The same can be said of this broader local news media environment as well. We're in this protracted period of immense change in the information ecosystem. Not every community is using Snapchat Discover. Many are still wedded to the print product, though this too will change. While the economics of the 20th century model for local news is under extreme pressure, a wide range of new opportunities for sustainability are just now beginning to emerge. And we're still figuring out how to both share and scale those models. Change affects different communities at different paces. Uh, and sometimes you have to look behind these trend lines to be able to really see that. I hope you found that as uh, interesting as I did. Uh, I was able to grab Jesse uh, when the presentation was done, and, and we had a quick conversation at the cafe at the uh, conference. Not as many cappuccinos apparently were ordered as there were during the Mark Goodman interview that I posted a, a week or so ago, but uh, I think uh, you'll enjoy. Okay, and we, we just finished your uh, presentation at, at AAN and talking about uh, the study that uh, Pew Research did. Could you sort of go into the, the background of it? What, what sort of inspired you to uh, do this? Well, the material that I talked about today is cumulative. It comes from a variety of different research reports that we've published over the past number of years. Uh, so it, it draws upon survey data, economic data, uh, other kinds of analysis as well. Um, but it was particularly targeted at uh, the, the way local media? Um... Right. Uh, that's one big area of emphasis for us in the journalism research team is local media. It's one of those areas where uh, there's not enough good data, where the crisis in American journalism is probably felt most acutely. And so it's a, there's a good, probably strong role for us there in trying to help understand it. Um, and, and listening to your presentation, you just uh, as a broad takeaway, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of good news. <laughs> and it, I mean, we're all sort of involved in this this, this upheaval that's going on, and, and we're hoping to see sort of a light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, you're presenting some things that are kind of cha you know challenging into that. Well, uh, you know, I can't always 
choose the direction that I want these talks to go. Some of the numbers really just speak for themselves. But what I did try to do uh, was to try to, toward the end, really point out some areas where there are opportunities, there are reasons for optimism, but Again, these are nascent. They're new, they're emerging, and they're experimental still. Uh, local journalism is still trying to figure out its way, and there aren't going to be consistent, solid kinds of answers in terms of sustainability, I think, for some years to come. Now, and, and the, the, the one figure that you gave out there uh, about the third of, law, of loss of um, um, revenue, for, for that, that goes across the whole s- spectrum from, from big news outlets down to local. Uh, and that's, that's right. Consistent. That's right. Uh, although the bulk of that loss is loss of print advertising revenue from the newspaper industry, and, and that's you know I went to the AN conference last year in Nashville, and that was actually uh, one of the things that I attended. There was there was much talk. Um, Petty Muse Abernathy from um, uh, North Carolina had made a presentation, and she was talking about um, sort of the change you know, how new, how newspapers needed to sort of you know changed you know changed the focus on digital when they came to their ad sales and everything and and there there seemed to be a little resistance in the audience from people who 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 were still you know primarily thinking print only but i think we sort of entered into an environment now where uh, to to move forward you have to think digital i think that's probably right and uh, while i wasn't there i'm guessing some of the resistance was met because these people are looking at the dollars and cents. They're seeing that even though print ad revenue is declining, it still makes up the majority of their total revenue for their business. Digital is pennies on the dollar. Uh, But what observers are saying uh, in looking at the industry is that you have to be innovating while you still have a lifeline of print advertising revenue still left. And and it's interesting because we're also talking about uh, the the way the consumer is changing, the um, the, the consumer is becoming more mobile. But even even in what you showed, that you know mobile is different in different markets, as is broadband and other things. That larger markets uh, are more quick to to respond to that, or at least have a greater saturation to that. I think the key there, and this is what I was trying to get across, is that if you're a community news organization, you need to really know your market. Uh, we know at a broad scale that mobile devices are. Uh, making really fast headway uh, nationwide. But you may have certain communities where people are actually not using their mobile devices for news at really high rates. They may differ, say, from a place like New York to a place like Tulsa, you know. Uh, And so there's a difference between what we look at on the national level and then market to market. Yeah, and the example that you gave of the, the, the person, I think it was in Nebraska, the bartender, about um, the, was able to get the stuff that she needed off of the phone. It, it, it's, it's interesting where these sort of these glimmers of, of things that have such a great reaction. Um, but, you know, that may, that may do something really well there, but they may not translate to some other market. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And one of the things we also found in our research is that even within a market, there are markets within markets. So take, for example, Macon, Georgia, one community that we studied very closely. The African-American community in Macon had some pretty strikingly different news habits than the white population in Macon as well. So uh, that's a subpopulation within one community that is more engaged on social media than the white population. They're more engaged with local news overall than the white population. That's just in one community. 
You, you mentioned uh, Josh Stern about this list of, of you know, 50, 52 uh, different uh, things. And it sort of goes to what you were speaking uh, of in your presentation that, you know, one thing is that may work in Macon is not necessarily going to work in Denver or other place. And going back to knowing your market, which is, mm-hmm. I think, what, what has always been sort of the model for success in, in, in local journalism. Right, right. I, well, I think one one key insight that uh, that can respond to that uncertainty yeah. is that of revenue diversity. Uh, so if we're talking about business models and experimenting with ways to build up a local news business. Uh, one of the one of the insights there is to try a lot of different things and to try to wean yourself off of dependence on any one single revenue stream. Uh, some things will work, uh, some things won't. Uh, but if you put all of your eggs in one basket, or however the, <laughs> the saying goes, then that's what that's what these observers and uh, and others who are actually having some success would discourage. Yeah, and it's funny because I was uh, just sat in a, on a, a presentation earlier in the day about advertising, and, and the speaker was pretty much saying. Uh, what you're what you're saying about diversifying what, what your approach, uh, especially when you're trying to to get people to buy uh, digital, and you know there was some resist again resistance from the audience from people who like you know well I, uh, you know I'm making dollars you know selling you know print ads you know why should I you know why should I be building websites for somebody and giving that money to somebody else mm-hmm. I I can't put that I'm I'm in the business of doing news it, it's so funny how. <laughs> This so much speaks to the sort of we're still in the wilderness. <laughs> well, is and this I guess is what I'm thinking. You know, it, it's not an uncommon kind of sentiment among publishers. One of the things we saw in our analysis of nonprofit digital news publishers was that so many of them have that real editorial eye, but they don't have the business acumen. Uh, they went into this kind of startup mode. Uh, because they're passionate about the journalism. But they don't have the kind of marketing skills, fundraising skills, or, or the acumen to really uh, focus on that side of the business. And for lots of these smaller publishers, you have to be wearing two hats because not everyone can afford to hire out uh, for the kind of support staff that they need. Uh, that was, again, one of the biggest needs that was expressed in our survey of nonprofit publishers. So, so could you talk a little bit about your, your methodology here. How did, how did the, you gather data for this? You, you had three different municipalities you were... Or you were right, right. For our, uh, our recent case studies looking at local news environments, we, we identified three pretty different uh, kinds of metropolitan areas, different parts of the country, different sizes, different populations. And we threw a whole lot of methodologies at uh, this study. <laughs> we surveyed residents in each of these places using a mail survey. We analyzed the content of the news coming out of publishers from those markets over the course of a week. Uh, we did social media analysis, and we even did a little field work where we went to these communities and talked to people, civic leaders, business owners, residents, and journalists. So you get a real sort of, it's not just one metric that you're building this off, it's sort of a cross-section of, of different types of things. So what's, what would you say is your one takeaway for, for, some, for a, a, a publisher here at, at uh, AAN? You know, what, what, do you, what, what would you want them to get out of uh, uh, the research that you're presenting? 
that they're stuck on the cusp of two different worlds. They have to be aggressively mobile uh, and social in the kinds of spaces that their journalism has to be. At the same time, they have to still recognize that uh, probably a large percentage of their revenue and to some extent their readership is coming from legacy platforms. So uh, these publishers, editors, uh, journalists have to be very mentally nimble in, in straddling these two different worlds because we're still in a period of very dramatic change technologically uh, and really sociologically when it comes to these information ecosystems. Yeah, and I, I even think you said that there doesn't seem to be an end in sight uh, that, you know, that one year, two year, ten years, that maybe you can look ahead and say, oh, we'll, we'll have it figured out by then. We can hope. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I don't like to make predictions. There we go. Okay, well, this is a good place to stop. Thank you very much for, for, for spending the time. Thank you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.